This episode was brought to you by Lark Capital. At Lark Capital, our why is family and impact. With the Lark Veterinary Impact Fund, we will help our veterinary family through three pillars, financial literacy, awareness, and reducing the disproportionately high rate of suicide within the veterinary community. Please check us out at www.larkcapital.com to see how you can be part of something great. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Taylor Lote. Taylor, uh, he just married the woman of his dreams, so that I don't know how recent that was, Taylor, but um, one of the one of the personal achievements, which I love that you included that, um, and just earned a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, in terms of business, he's doing seven to eight syndicated real estate deals a year and just crossed 550 podcast episodes. So, uh, excess or success in um, really all facets of life. So, congratulations on that, and, and thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks very much for having me. And yeah, it feels life feels pretty well rounded at this point, if you will. It's, you know, sounds presumptuous to say that, but I feel pretty good about things. That's, that's a good thing. When was the wedding? Uh, April. So just a couple of months ago. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, I know that's an exciting time. Will you just start by, you know, kind of giving us your background, tell us your story, um, kind of where you came from, what got you into real estate, that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. And my story really leads to the reason why on my show, I always talk about escaping the Wall Street casino and building wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate, because I started out with Wall Street type of investments. I graduated from college uh, back in 2011, so a little bit dating myself, but you know, getting getting older these days. And Finally had a, you know, a big boy job and a few nickels to rub together. My background, I went to school for chemical engineering, got my first job. So I was doing all right on my initial income and had some money left over. So the first thing that I did, I was good at budgeting. That I kind of took care of, no problem. But the first thing I did to grow my money and turn it into more money was start with one of these books that's on the shelf behind me here, reading The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. Benjamin Graham was Warren Buffett's mentor. That book is a, a very tedious breakdown of how value investing in publicly traded securities works and and that whole process. I picked the book up again recently to kind of flip through it, and it's so dense, it's not really accessible. But I yeah. soldiered through all those years ago, and that got me started with Wall Street type of investing and did pretty well with that over a few years. But I was doing the math and seeing where is this going to take me over the next 20 to 30 years, and what am I going to get back from my investments in the interim. Like what am I what are my prospects here and it just wasn't shaping up to be what I wanted. You know, what the math wasn't working out. So I started looking for other options, read a lot, listened a lot about just general entrepreneurship, you know, Amazon businesses were kind of growing at that point, drop drop shipping, that never really did it for me, but you know, there's a lot of hype men around that. 
But I always felt this pull to real property and real estate. And that was around the time that, you know, the bigger podcasts, uh, bigger pockets podcast was still relatively fresh. And there were a few other real estate podcasts out there. And I was listening to those. And, you know, I, I finally started to get past this um, kind of inherent assumption that I think many of us make that scaling in real estate means that we need to have all the money ourselves up front. I can't, you know, go and buy bigger properties unless I have a few million in the bank already. I started learning about syndication and working with investors and other strategies, JVing and things like that, how how debt works, how money really works in real estate. And that's what, you know, got me started making the shift to real estate investing was just really learning about the possibilities, especially as they compare to the, you know, kind of tried the 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 more common investing advice that you see out there and say that corporate media. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually read that book as well. It is an excellent for what it is, but it is hard oh, yeah. to read. It is, it is a hard way. It takes it. You can read a, a handful of pages at a time and, and you have to take a break because it is, it is uh cumbersome, but it is, it is, is a truly, truly probably, I mean, I haven't read a lot of books on stock investing, but it it's, I know that it has the reputation and, and, having read it it uh it is really an excellent book um what so so how did you start like what was your first step into into real estate so first step i think just uh, like many others is just networking and getting educated so i attended a couple of uh networking events pretty consistently that are here in virginia richmond virginia where i live I went to more national events as I kind of grew and learned more about how I wanted to get involved in the space. I think really another uh, a big part of your question is what was the first deal that I did as you know you didn't say that explicitly but I think that's probably really one of the things you're getting at and the, the first investment that I made in real estate was actually a passive investment in a multifamily syndication. And I did that because I knew at that time that multifamily syndication is what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go Flip. I didn't want to wholesale. I didn't want to do all those things that if you go to a RIA, this is what you're going to learn about. Um, not to say there's necessarily anything wrong with that. I think those strategies all have their respective strengths and weaknesses, and they can be right or wrong for different people. But man, something about learning about going out and buying 100, 200 units at a time, I was just that really, you know, did it for me. So going to national networking, national syndication networking events, meeting sponsors. And, you know, based on my Wall Street investing background and kind of uh, frugal ways of living, I had some capital and invested in a multifamily deal. Awesome. And you're so it's actually a kind of an interesting point that you just bring up because I go to the, the local RIAs as well. And it's it does feel like a lot of them are geared towards you know, kinds of that residential fix and flip, burr, wholesaling, that kind of thing. I know that that there are multifamily meetups as well, but it, it is it is interesting that you mentioned that just because I've noticed the same thing where I feel like I go, I've gone to some of these and I might be the only person doing syndication there and, and such that a lot of them don't even necessarily know what it is, which is, I didn't know what it was, you know, a number of years ago either. So it, that's not problem it's just kind of an interesting observation that i've ha have seen the same myself um so you started you know sort of with a passive investment and then uh did you you kind of move from there to the active side or have you really stayed passive throughout 
No, I'm my goal was always to move to the active side and and get to the point where as a as a passive investor, you know, you're placing your capital in deals, which is great because there's a lot of opportunity there. But if you want to really, I think, scale your own business, which is a completely different matter from passive investing, then you have to get on the active side kind of by definition. So from there, um, I, I continued networking and working and um it's been, you know, several years since then. So the timeline's a little fuzzy in my head at this point, but continue going to national events. I started a, a multifamily networking event in my city. Now, this is a few years before COVID. So pandemics were not a consideration at that time. So get a bunch of people in a small room and talk about multifamily, bring in a speaker, that kind of a thing. Um, I started my own podcast. I actually had a podcast before the podcast I host now, which I decided to uh, kind of reconsider and revamp. Um, but you know, doing all those things that were really aimed at growing my knowledge base, uh, growing my expertise in the area, which is kind of the same thing, growing my network in multifamily syndication, and then of course, growing my potential investor database. And you know, when we, you eventually end up speaking with investors and raising capital, you need to dig that well before you're thirsty. So um, yeah, those those aspects all kind of added up to doing that first deal on the active mm -hmm. side. Yeah. What is your, you know, we talk a lot about on the show about sort of people's superpower, what, what, what roles they fit in within a syndication? What is your main focus? Are you kind of doing it all? Or what, what do you have a, a specific, um, you know, set of skills that, that uh, you focus on? What, what's kind of your approach? Yeah, it's a great question. So my approach to this business, my business in the business and all that has changed over the years as I've done more, learned more, learned about my strengths and weaknesses, which will uh, certainly touch on. So today my business is solely focused on raising capital, finding the best operators, finding investors and matching the two, essentially. That's, mm -hmm. that's when you boil down capital raising, that's really what it is. Um, but years past, you know, those first, uh, first couple of deals, it was much more than that. I was in asset management. I was, you know, talking to brokers and trying to, you know, put all of the pieces together myself. And that's not my strength. There are others out there who succeed in doing all those things, putting all those pieces together uh, themselves. But I essentially had to learn the hard way that I really need to focus on one aspect of this business. And I was fortunate enough to be able to focus on my favorite aspect of the business, which is like I said before, finding the best operators, finding investors who would be interested in these types of a deal and, you know, kind of bridging the two, if you will, bringing the two together. Um, but it took time to figure that out. And I certainly, certainly was not naturally good at that. Or I, I would say to clarify a little bit more, I wasn't uh, naturally better at that than I was at anything else, any particular other aspect of the business. I think really any improvements that I've made over the years in becoming better at raising capital have just boiled down to working on it, failing in one way or another, you know, whether it's, it, it could be a lot of things, I'm not talking about a deal specifically, but in finding the right operators or finding the right investors or, you know, whatever it is, some aspect of this business, learning and iterating and growing along the way 
but I didn't just immediately, you know, show up one day and automatically be Mr. Great Capital Raiser. And then, you know, the truth is I'm always looking for ways to grow and improve because I think that's, you know, how every investor and, and business person person should look at their deals in their business. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that the, this is a great sort of, I don't know, summation of of what what growing a business looks like, right? In the beginning, a lot of times it's a very much a bootstrapped effort. You're you're kind of doing everything, as you said. You did asset management, raise capital, talk to brokers. There's there's a bit of that in the beginning. Probably, I would imagine for most people, certainly has been my experience. Certainly, a lot of people I've talked to as you get started, it's it's very much a um, you know kind of <laughs> do do all of it and maybe figure out what you're good at and where you fit the best and then, you know, sort of create a team around you. So what, there's two questions here. I want to definitely touch on the first one I'll I'll go with is is sort of what did you do to scale your business in the sense that, you know, if you're, you're raising capital, um, you know, it, I think at some point you, you, it's hard to get on the phone over and over and over yourself. Maybe, maybe you are still at that stage, but like, what is your, what, what have you done from a scaling standpoint uh, within your business? Yeah. Great question. So I would say the things, the key things that have boiled down to, or have helped me scale my business boil down to teams and systems. Now you mentioned getting on the phone, talking to investors. I don't mind that at all. Actually, I, I enjoy that. And, you know, it, I think some folks in the audience, some of of your listeners might think that because I'm here talking to you, we're on this show, I just said that I like talking to investors, that that's an extroverted person's game, right? It kind of, it kind of gives that impression. Uh -uh. I'm a pretty introverted guy. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, I mean, I went to school for engineering. I'm a nerd. I spent a lot of my time doing math, but as you... I think there are a few aspects of that. If you're dedicated to get getting better, then you'll look past any kind of misgivings that you might have in the beginning speaking with someone. As you have these conversations, then you know make more, frankly make mistakes in speaking with people and learning about people. You'll again get more comfortable. And number three, if you want to achieve something, sometimes you just kind of have to pretend to be someone else in a certain way. If if you're only doing that to yourself, it's right now. I'm kind of pretending to be an extroverted guy in a way. And over time I've, you know, learned how to get better at that, but I also didn't make that up. I learned that concept at a real estate guys secrets of successful syndication event because okay, somebody said the guy on stage said I'm introverted and I need to pretend to be extroverted to be good at this business and I thought, well dang, I guess if he if that works for him, maybe I'll give it a shot. So yeah. just a, a comment on that. But anyway, Scaling in the business for me has boiled down to teams and systems. So when it comes to the teams aspect, to give you a specific example, much earlier on in the business and in growing my business, say, for example, the the podcast, I started out editing the show, writing the show notes, building the website, posting it on the host, all, all the things that are involved with hosting a podcast, I was doing them all myself. Now, I do think I gained some things out of that. I listened to myself speak for about 100 episodes, which is pretty painful. I actually don't like listening to myself uh, speak, and I think I learned some things out of that. But at the end of the day, if you want to 
find more deals, find more investors, or just work at a higher level and work on your business rather than in your business, you need to hire people to handle those more day-to-day -day activities. So that is what I did. I hired a podcast editor. I hired an assistant to handle the logistics of working with the podcast editor and kind of picking up tasks that would come up and repeat on a weekly basis. But many of them I didn't know when I first got started and started hiring people. I didn't know that those tasks would be handed off to them, if that makes sense. I knew that, okay, I'm spending my time or investing my time in this business. I need to invest my time in other aspects of the business. I don't know what I'm going to be able to hand off to an assistant or an editor, but I need to commit to doing that. And over time, that continued to grow and I just continued to be able to handle more, hand more things off, which was awesome. I mean, that was great. And I'm always trying to look for like the next thing that I can add to the business and hand off. Um, so that was big. Um, building systems, you know, that that goes hand in hand with building teams. The teams need systems within which to work, of course. So building systems that they could work in. But even beyond that, there are just an incredible number of tools that you can put in a business technology stack type tools that you can automate things uh, within the business that I, I, I've just been honestly shocked. It's it's investor onboarding. For me, an awful lot of that is motivated or just get motivated, is automated. I've got to watch my words here. An awful lot of that is automated. If someone signs up on my website to schedule a call to speak with me, well, they're going to get reminders. They're going to get all those things. And the first time that I do something manually is picking up the phone, hitting their name and calling them. Now, granted, I'll you know, read a bit of the information that they send into us if they send any about you know what they're looking for, things like that. But all those little pieces don't happen automatically. I had to build those systems and talk with others and get out there and network and learn about those things. But that's all been just so important for me and my business, much more important than I thought it would be at the beginning, to be honest. When I started doing both of those things, I thought this isn't going to get me, or I had some misgivings, if you will, some limiting beliefs. But it turns out that I needed to do those things in order to continue to grow. Yeah. I think there's some really kind of important points. One, one is you sort of touch on that, the whole concept of getting comfortable being uncomfortable, right? So uh, as an introvert, I mean, that's that I'm, I'm right there with you. And, and honestly, that's why I started the podcast, because I was just like, I need to do something that will make me <laughs> make me realize like networking and it, like or not even necessarily make me realize I realized it. It was just very hard to, to force myself into the whole networking aspect. And I was like, well, the podcast is a good start. It was this, also, it was 2020. So it's, was, uh, <laughs> you weren't really, we weren't meeting in person anyway, but I, I think <laughs> right. it was just one of those things. And, and, you know, both of us as extroverts having podcasts is a, a good example of where, a lot of people just decide, oh, that's that's not something for me. I'm not that person. And as you said, you just kind of have to pretend to be that person. And for the first however many episodes it is, you'll sound like you're pretending to be that person maybe. But eventually you get better at it. You get, you know, probably somewhat more comfortable. What What was always true, I've always enjoyed it. It was never like I didn't like having the conversations or didn't like 
you know, being able to meet people that were doing amazing things. It was just like getting, it's, it's getting past yourself. It's getting over your own limiting beliefs. And, and it's the same kind of concept, I think, in, as you mentioned, with, with starting to hire people as part of your team. In a way, I, that sort of, I had the same thing. It was like, I know I need an assistant. I can't keep doing this all myself. I don't know what they're going to do but I'm going to get them in here and we're going to figure it out. And then we're going to set up systems to, you know, so I, and I, and I, I'm still, it's still happening. It's still a process, but it's kind of like you do, you almost have to look at things from, from the end, right? Like this is how I, how I see it being, we're not there right now. How do I get there? And, and the answer is probably never, you know, do more things myself. Like that's just, it's just not <laughs> generally how you, how you should answer that question. So I, I kind of, I kind of love what you pointed out there. Um, you mentioned that you're, you know, in terms of the automations, a lot of, a lot of getting an investor to, uh, to that first phone call is all automated. What are you doing to meet new investors, attract new investors? Kind of what, what's your process there um, that, that helps you kind of keep the, keep the ball rolling? Yeah, that's a great question. And this is another area where I'm always iterating and learning and working on focusing on the highest, highest leverage activities, if you will. So for me, my podcast is number one, by far no competition any other way that I meet investors. And I think there are a few reasons for that. The podcast people get to know you, right? They might mm -hmm. listen to me speak yeah. for several hours on end and kind of get to understand and, and get comfortable with who I am or my track record or what we invest in or whatever particularly brings them uh, into my orbit. And I think that is a lot of other folks experience out there in the, in the podcast world. Uh, that's the most effective way for, uh, for me to go. And I'm, I'm certainly not alone in that, but that's not the only way that I meet new prospective investors, and this is an area where I'm working on now thinking of ways to optimize or really focus on the number one, which is the podcast. I used to spend for years, spent a lot of time, and and I'm I'm really I want I, personally I want to get away from saying spending time, and I want to incept myself into saying investing time. No matter what it is, I invested a lot of time in the bigger pockets forums specifically and not spammy low effort ai generated posts even though the ai thing is relatively new genuinely working on contributing to the forums in a constructive way and and really focusing on that and believing that that would you know come back and i had folks express interest and you know speak with me come through my you know website and everything but uh generally they they don't invest with me, which is fine. No problem with that. But I think the important message that I'm that I take out of that is okay. There, there might be some disconnect there where they're not the right fit in the first place, or they're not getting comfortable with me in some way. There's there's something there that isn't bridging the gap, and and that's okay. But to me, that's a reason I should focus on number one, which is the podcast. I have people find me through Google as well super low percentage. Even the ones who schedule a call oftentimes don't pick up when I call them. I've had folks, and this is the thing, this this is the thing where you see people who have achieved things that you want to achieve. And you think you, you we can be tempted to think, oh, it was a smooth ride for this guy. They might not talk about like their failures or anything. But you know, I've had 
folks get, come come through my website, put in their information, go to my Calendly, which folks are generally familiar with, find a time on my schedule that works for them, put in their information, give me their phone number. I call them and I say, hey, so-and-so, this is Taylor. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak today, um, you know, and start the conversation. They're like, who are, I never scheduled a call with you. Okay. Well, okay. I have you on my records. And then they just hang up. Like that's happened. That's okay. You have to get through those rejections in order to right. find the people who are, uh, you know, the right fit for you. But um, oftentimes folks don't want to uh, acknowledge that sometimes people will somehow pretend they didn't schedule. A call. It's okay. If you don't want right. to talk to me, I will not take it personally. <laughs> you can be right. honest with me, but anyway, you know, it's a hard thing to accidentally schedule those calls. It really, it would be, it would be, I'll leave you alone. You know, you're off the list now. No problem. Right. It would be very difficult to like, oops, I'm on someone's calendar. Like for people who <laughs> it is, it's a, it's a great example. I've had the same, same experience where it's like people, you know, or, or people sign up for, for the newsletter. And then they're like, they, you know, sort of then block it. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Just like if you don't want it, but it's like, why did you sign up for it in the first place? So it's a, it's a funny example. Um, oh, that's, I mean, I, I, I do, I love all of these concepts. I think, I, I think the, the, the way that you describe just sort of the multiple iterations of what you're doing, you know, figure out basically, right. Figure out what works. So, mm-hmm. you know, you found that pot, your podcast seems to be your most, you know, sort of, uh, or your biggest ROI in terms of time invested in finding investors. So, and, and I think it may not be the same thing for everybody. N- not everybody has a podcast. A lot of people have podcasts now, like it's, it's pretty common, but like not everybody has podcasts. They might find, uh, a different way to, you know, sort of attract investors or whatever, you know, as they're trying to scale their business. So, um, I think it's a really great point in, in in that you need to look at that and look at what's working and and are you I assume you're tracking metrics on this and and, and really sort of figuring out you know kind of the at a at a granular level what what works and what doesn't work. Yes, yes, absolutely. But at the same time, I think that it's tempting it's tempting to read too much into the noise of any any kind of somewhat random data. So if I have, you know, several investors sign up in one given week, it's very tempting to look at the episodes that were were released that week and think, okay, every one of my episodes needs to be like one of these three because I do three episodes a week. But I don't know for a fact that those investors or new, new prospective investors were, you know, brought in to be interested in me through those episodes. Maybe they listened right. to some of the back catalog. There's so many variables in there that I don't want to get too overly specific and just, you know, try to keep my ship pointed in the right direction and iterate along the way. And of course, um, one of the best opportunities and the best things about hosting a podcast is when we hit stop recording or before we hit start recording, I can ask an awful lot of questions to an awful lot of cool people and see what works for them and apply those things to my business. And that's, that's been huge as well, but that applies to, you know, hosting my podcast, but you know, to kind of comment on on what you said about the different avenues and everything, podcasts aren't the only way. I mean, the truth is that the statistics of the number of podcasts that make it past like 21 episodes is something like a tenth of a percent. It's some tiny little number of podcasts that actually are consistent over the course of years. So if you can do that, you're set apart from everybody. But I know people personally who 
don't have a podcast, but are incredibly successful meeting investors through Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or Facebook groups or, you know, in their, their in-person events or, so there are a lot of ways to do it. I think, you know, focusing on what works for you. If you told me I had to sit on Twitter all day and post, I would just, I, I wouldn't do it. I've never, I don't like Twitter. I have a Twitter handle. I'm never on there. I don't have the app on my phone. Yeah. So <laughs> Focus on what, you know, gravitates, you gravitate to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, cause you have to, I mean, I know we talked about being, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, but it, it, you also, there is some, there is some value to just being in something that, that you are comfortable with in the sense that if you're passionate about it and you enjoy it, you're just more likely to do it. So if, if the podcast is, is the, you know, the platform that, you enjoy doing, you feel good. You don't like Twitter. Well, then it makes sense. Do the podcast, don't do Twitter. Like it's okay. Some people are out there on every single platform and have a podcast and all this. And, and that's great. But um, I would venture to guess that they have a large team helping them with all of that, you know, sort of behind the scenes. So it, it's a, it's an interesting, um, I guess, perspective in terms of figuring out what works for you in, in attracting investors um, well, Taylor, let me, let me switch gears here. I want to get to ask you the questions that I ask every guest, um, at the end of the episode. First one, of course, being, uh, related to the name of the show, but, um, what is your, why, what, what drives you, what keeps you going, keeps you pushing for, for bigger and bigger success. That's, that's changed and grown over the years. I mean, I think we all have certain personal financial goals, right. In our minds and, um, that's shifted for me over the years as I've, you know, gotten more of the things that I, you know, wanted in the first place to me, it's become much more about creating enough abundance that I can support causes that I care about. Um, so my, I've, I've been a vegetarian for all, seven and a half years, something almost eight years. Um, I donate to animal shelters and it's not that much at this point, but you know, over the course of my life, I want it to be an awful lot more. I think the best way that I can do that is by growing and expanding my means and, you know, supporting these causes that, uh, that I care about. So really, you know, I think they, when they, when you're in a plane, right. And they give you the safety instructions that say, put on your own oxygen mask before helping the person next to you. I feel I've gotten to the point where I've put on my own oxygen mask and, I'm certainly not about to let it slip off, but I want to focus on as much as I can helping those next to me, whether it's through supporting a charitable charitable causes or looking to hire more people. You know, I think in our business, we have a great opportunity to especially hire people overseas and pay a good bit more than the average earnings that they can produce, you know, in, uh, you know, in the rest of their country. And that in turn, we get, you know, loyalty and everything like that. And we help them create a great life in their own country and get stable employment, all that kind of a thing. So trying to focus on, you know, giving back as much as I can. Awesome. Awesome. Um, tell us something about yourself that isn't common knowledge, a uh, special skill, a hobby. Um, you can't use that. You just got married. Can I say Brazilian jiu-jitsu? So I already, I, I did put that in my uh, <laughs> bio, but I've been training uh, jiu-jitsu since 2015 I think that uh, doing and training jujitsu is has been for me a great way to learn or exercise um, grit and perseverance and kind of stick to itiveness. 
And also, I mean, it's a great social activity. I actually met my wife at jujitsu. Obviously she wasn't my wife at the time, but that's where we met. We met at uh jujitsu gym. Um, and just the, the ability to take some time away and exercise is great. It's always difficult. There are many people in my gym who are, you know, better than me. So that means I have to deliberately step into a situation where it's probably going to hurt. That doesn't necessarily mean I might get injured. I have been injured several times throughout the years, but it's at least going to be quite uncomfortable. That's a, at a bare minimum. And I think doing that between, you know, four to five times a week iterated over the course of, you know, the past eight plus years has just been incredibly helpful in pushing me to expand my comfort zone, whether it's in, you know, business. I mean, if you're talking to me about having a conversation at a real estate networking event, how, how like physically worried do I need to be about that? I, how uncomfortable should I possibly be having a friendly conversation with someone? And I think that's also helped me get over my just anxiety and introversion in those situations, if you will. That's a, a really interesting take on, you know, kind of, I, I, I've never done jujitsu. It, it seems like a common thing amongst real estate investors. I, I don't, I feel like I've talked to a number of people on the podcast that like they do Brazilian jujitsu. I know, uh, you know, Brandon Turner and David Green used to talk about it on the, <laughs> on the bigger pockets podcast. Like it seems like a very popular thing in that space, at least as far as I can, I don't know anybody outside of real estate that does jujitsu. Like that's just, <laughs> that's my perspective on it. But, um, I, I do love that you sort of related it in the sense that there is, you know, you're deliberately putting yourself in a, in an uncomfortable position and then, and, and physically, and then that should mean that going to a, a meetup and, and, you know, sort of getting outside of your uh, introverted self and, and shouldn't be, it, it is an interesting parallel because I, like, I don't do jujitsu, but I definitely, I like exercise. Like I, and I've, I've said, I'm, I'm older than you. And I, I've said, like, I would rather hurt because I worked out than because I'm old. Right. Like that's my, that's essentially my, <laughs> my, I guess perspective on that is like, I'd rather be sore and know it's because I did something to like positive for my body, but I've never thought of it in that aspect that like, I should take that to the networking side of things and like the, use that um, mindset, I guess, toward, towards like mentally challenging situations. So I thank you. Thank you for saying that. Cause I actually think that's, may may help me a ton um in in terms of you know that kind of those kind of interactions yeah i think expanding your comfort zone i i don't think any every certainly not everybody needs to do jujitsu if you want to run or some guys are really into rock climbing which i hate rock climbing it's incredibly hard but i think pushing yourself in especially a physical endeavor whatever it is can help you in other aspects of your life and to kind of tie it back to jujitsu, you start practicing chokes pretty early on as a pretty much a brand new white belt. It's a very controlled situation, but over time, your ability to withstand things like uncomfortable situations, like a, you know, a rear, rear naked choke or some kind of joint lock, your joints have certainly have limits, but your ability to withstand that discomfort grows because you learn 
how much of that discomfort was mental or at least in the case of jujitsu, how much of it was, you know, really physical, like, okay, my shoulder can only go so far. Or I will pass out at some point, but I think you learn at least for me, how much early on of that discomfort was just in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're just afraid, right? You're, you're, you're afraid you're going to pass out or you're afraid, you know, some, something like that. So, no, I, it really, really, I think a very, very powerful, powerful perspective on that. I love it. Um, Taylor, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Sure. So uh, if you'd like to learn about investing with us, just go to investwithtaylor.com. There's a form on there, schedule a call. I'll, you know, I call you personally, like kind of we talked about today or my podcast, which you're going to be on. We're going to record an episode here after we're done. Uh, the Passive Wealth Strategy Show every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, wherever fine podcasts are posted. Awesome. Awesome. Final question for you, Taylor. What would you, what advice would you give to someone who is looking to get started in real estate? And, and you can take that kind of in whatever direction you like, whether that's active or passive um, or both, however, however you feel um, strongly about it, but, but just someone that's, that's listening to this and, and uh, you know, thinks sounds like your journey is, is very interesting. What, what would you tell them to get started? There are two things that you need to define when you want to get into real estate. Uh, two, yeah, probably two most important things. One, what are your goals? And two, what do you bring to the table? What are you going to contribute to this endeavor that will help you get to your goals? So if your goals are to build wealth with real estate and what you're going to bring to the table is capital, great. You'll have plenty of options. But let's say you want to build wealth with real estate and you don't have capital. Okay, well, you still need to figure out that number two. Oftentimes you can make up for lack of capital with your time, then you're investing your time in the deals, but you need to figure out that second piece because too often I think we get kind of hung up on that first first aspect, which is defining your goals, which is great and incredibly important and can help motivate you. But without defining what we're going to bring to the table and what we're essentially willing to sacrifice to achieve those goals, then we just have a wish, right? We don't have a path forward or we're kind of expecting something for nothing. So define your goals and what you're going to bring to the table. Love it. Love it. That's a fantastic way to wrap this up. Um Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate it. It's been a, been a great conversation. Um, and folks listening, I know you're going to love this episode. Uh, please give us a like, rate, and review. It helps the podcast grow. And also check out Taylor's podcast, which I will, I will be on. So um, again, thank you so much, Taylor. I do appreciate it. Thank you. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.